Hello and welcome to today's podcast episode. This is another one of my guest episodes and I'm really, really pleased to introduce to you Ryan Spence. Now, Ryan is a life coach, a motivational speaker and an author of The Triple C Method. He is a former big law lawyer and he now helps lawyers and corporate professionals live life lit. Now, I'm going to leave it up to Ryan to introduce himself properly. Let's jump straight in. And a very big welcome, Ryan. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. Really happy to be here. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. I absolutely loved your book, uh, The Triple C Method. I read that in um, two days lounging on the beach in Mallorca. It was wonderful. So I'd love to I'd love to sort of explain to my uh, audience, first of all, what the three C's are. Uh, I'm going to leave that to you in a minute. And then just sort of go through some of the really key elements of your book that I thought really resonated with me and that would uh, inspire and motivate my listeners. That sounds great. Um, and yeah, thank you for reading my book on the beach. I think yours was the first picture I got of seeing my book on a beach in a foreign country. So yeah, it was very Yay. special. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just gutted. It wasn't a, uh, an, a like a paperback. I use my, um, my tablet to read it, but you know, still, I think it counts. <laughs> okay so what are the three c's so the three c's are clarity confidence and courage um and, and the reason why there were three c's is looking back at where i was in my old life which we'll talk a bit about i'm sure to where i was when i wrote the book they were the three key pillars that got me from where i was to to where it is that i wanted to be um when you kind of weigh through all the other aspects of personal development and, and growth distilling it down to those three steps were really the the key factors that moved me forward. Okay. Okay. And and just to give our, our, our listeners a bit of context, where were you? Give us a really succinct sort of brief. I know I get, you know, <laughs> when I start talking about my journey, I'm still working on that um, and sort of where you are now. Sure. So the, yeah, the short version, I was a lawyer, a lawyer in big law for 11 years and big law just means one of the big international law firms. So I started in London then went out to Singapore where I spent seven years and about halfway through like many lawyers I wondered whether this was the route I wanted to go down looking at the path ahead just having had a, a young family having to work holidays weekends and just not feeling like I was doing anything that was fulfilling and meaningful to me I was a, a finance lawyer so when I told people what I did, their eyes pretty much glazed over. You're not <laughs> saving the world or anything. Um, so all of those factors kind of like built up to make me think, is this really where I want to go? Um, but like many people in that position, outwardly, I was successful. I had the status. My identity was tied to the role that I was doing. I had the salary. And I just didn't believe that I could do anything else. I believed that this was the path I was meant to be on. And I just had to suck it up. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people can can get stuck in that you know well this is what I chose to do this is what I you know I've put time and effort into and energy into and this is what I've told everybody I'm going to do I can't possibly tell other people I've changed my mind you know and I think for me that's where I went when when I was reading that part of your your story in your book was oh gosh I remember when you know, I was running my sewing business and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this forever and I'm going to hire seamstresses and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and this and the other. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know, this isn't, this isn't fun anymore. This is physically and mentally hurting me. And, you know, and I had other stuff to work through at the time, um, which are on other podcasts, um, podcast episodes, but it was that thought of, oh, what's everybody going to think of me as well? And, and can I actually do this? Can I change? Or am I going to 
make this change and then regret it and think, you know, I should have just stuck with, with what I was doing. And it's, it's a scary place to be, isn't it? Oh, it is. And I think, um, at least you said you chose to do it and then you realized that it wasn't really for you. And I think for me, looking back, I'm sure this is the case for, for many people. I didn't actually really choose it in the truest sense, choose to be in big law. I, I moved to law for money. I worked in music. I was broke. Um, I, I found myself in this world where you could work on international deals. You could travel overseas. And more importantly, you actually got paid. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of my reason for falling into it. There wasn't really the intentionality of, I really want to be a lawyer. And this is my why for wanting to do that. But outwardly, my parents were happy. I was finally going to university. I was finally getting, getting on this path. I was in an environment where I was seen to be successful. I had a path in front of me. So I kind of just fell into it and continued to sort of roll along and roll along. I didn't intentionally choose to do this. Mm. So it became harder then because then you're pushing back against what do the people expect of you? What do the people expect you to be? The societal conditioning of this is what success looks like. So it's a very hard ball to push so you just think well I'll just just carry on then everybody else is doing this so I guess I just do the same yeah no I get that and I think a lot of people as well think well if this is success what else is there this is another thing you know if you're outwardly successful and like you said your parents are happy your friends are proud of you your kids are well looked after and all these other wonderful things but in your in your heart of hearts you're thinking oh, I have a yearning to do something else or I'm called to do something else or I'm just not happy here. I don't know what I want to do yet, but I know I'm not happy here. But outwardly, it's like, okay, but is this the, be- is this the best thing? And I'm like pulling myself away from it or am I like chasing some magical unicorn? Do you know, like, it's really difficult. And I want to just pull out a quote from the book here that I have noted down because, you know, this is how I make sure I don't forget things or, you know, do a bad job. Um, and you wrote, and I wrote it down here because it really resonated with me at the time was um, only you have the power to change things. So the fact that nothing's changed is ultimately down to you. And I think that also for me is the same as if you're not happy, doesn't matter if everybody else is happy, make the changes because your happiness is your number one priority. So it's oh. kind of like a two-sider there. Without a doubt. I think back, um, it was really the last five years when I was really struggling with this. And I think back to those five years and it was kind of as if I was almost waiting for something magical to happen. Like one day I'd wake up and the idea would pop into my head or somebody or something would come to save me. And I think that's, that's where that quote comes from, because ultimately that wasn't going to happen. Nothing was going to change unless I made steps to change it. I had to take some kind of action. I had to be intentional in that action. And it doesn't mean that I was suddenly going to wake up and just burn everything down. I mean, sometimes that works, but I had to at least start to think, okay, I need to change the situation. That's the first step. I am going to change the situation. Now, let me look at the different ways that I can do that. Let me look at the different opportunities or the different things that are available to me. And so that quote isn't sort of meant to be harsh. It's just meant to really focus the mind and say, look, you can't deal, you can't change the external things around you. You can't change the fact that you don't like your working environment, that it's a bit toxic, that you don't get on with with this person here. But what you can do is change your reaction and also change what you then decide to do to get out of that situation. Mm. And I also want to sort of make our listeners aware, aware as well that it doesn't need to be these massive big changes as well. And we often talk about changing things. We think, oh, you know, we'll gut the house and we'll we'll sell this and we'll 
you know, sack off all these people who aren't, you know, aren't helpful to us or, you know, we'll go and hand our notice in our job or whatever that is. Like, yeah, some big things are needed and some big things will will happen, but it's the little things as well. It's like, like you say, it's that the way you react to things or the slight change in your routine that's going to, you know, build and build and be better for you. Like, you know, I'm I'm really big on, you know, what habit do you want to be embedded in that's going to lead you down this path to, to sort of confidence and courage and things. Um, and then what is the smallest thing you could do right now? That even on your, you know, a bad day when you're, you know, everything's gone wrong or you're exhausted or whatever, whatever bad, bad stuff goes on. For me, it's like if, if my, if my fibromyalgia flares up and I have a really bad pain day, what can I still do on one of those days that's going to keep me in control, keep me moving forward. And it's going to keep me going down the path to what I, what my heart truly wants really. Um, so it's understanding as well, isn't it? That you don't have to do these big grandiose things all the time. Oh, exactly. There's a, and I don't know who, who said it, it's, it's probably been said many times, but consistency beats intensity. Mm. Doing those small things each day actually add up over the course of, of, of a week, a month, a year. I was very much, take the gym, for example. I'd be like, well, if I can't go and do an hour session in the gym, I'm just not going to go. But actually, if you went and did five minutes every day, 10 minutes every day, or every other day, the actual cumulative effect of that is going to be far greater than going for two weeks, an hour a day, hitting it hard, and then not going again for mm. a month. Um, and that's the same in, in anything we do. And, and it goes back to what I was saying, making the decision that something has to change is the first step. Because once, you, once you're intentional about that decision, everything then flows from that. Then it can be as simple as, okay, today I'm going to go on the internet and I'm going to look at this job recruitment site. Or it can be, I have some sort of idea for a business that I, that I want to do. I'm going to find five websites to talk about that um, and bookmark them to read later. It doesn't matter the size of the thing. It matters that each day you're doing something because that's going to build up over the course of a year. Yeah, yeah. It's going to build up that forward motion. Um, and I love that. Uh, so bringing us back to, to obviously, you spoke about where you were, how you fell into big law and sort of realizing that you needed clarity, confidence and courage to sort of move you away from that and into what your heart desires. Tell our listeners a little bit about sort of where you're at now, what you do and, and sort of what's different, what's different about how you're living your life right now. Sure. So I, in terms of what I do now, I basically help people like the old me. So people who are in law, people who are in corporate, who are at that crossroads, who have done all of the quote unquote right things, the things that they should, who have sort of played the game, got the grades, got the job are on this career trajectory but questioning whether what's in front of them is really what they want but maybe not feeling like they can vocalize that not feeling like they can speak about that and they can start to explore what an alternative looks like not believing that an alternative is possible um, and, and this is kind of what I see often so this is what I, I love to help people with having been there myself and I talk about and the subtitle of the book is is so you can live life lit and the idea of that is it's getting you to a stage where you're you're feeling more alive so for a long period i was sat in this state where you get up and go through the motions you could do the job you could get through it but there was nothing really that was kind of giving you that aliveness and again you're waiting for that something big to happen and what i help people to do is to create this life that's lit. And what that means is just going back to the small things that you said, think of a small thing that lights you up, that gives you joy, that really excites you. 
it can be that first sip of coffee in the morning, sat out looking out of the garden. Do you know That's what I mean? Me. Out, <laughs> the weather's great. You know, just that moment before the chaos and the madness starts. It could be driving in the car with a window down, sort of singing along to your favorite tunes. That's definitely something that I like. But again, there can be small things. And now think about a life where those moments are more of the norm rather than the exception. And that's kind of what I help people create. And that's kind of what I have now. Every day isn't fantastic. Things happen. Again, there are things you can't control. But it's trying to infuse your day with more and more of those moments of joy, those moments where you feel alive, those moments where you feel you have a mission. For me, it's something bigger than myself that you're working towards, because that's what gets you out of bed in the morning. That's what gets you from surviving to thriving. That's what creates a life worth living. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. And some of my listeners might be sat there thinking, well, hey, that sounds really similar to what Sarah does. And you know what? It is. We've had this conversation before. And um, me and Ryan were sort of um, of the opinion that, you know, we want to create a better world. We want to have impact. And it's it's for me, I'm not afraid of bringing somebody onto my podcast who is similar to me because, you know, there may be people listening here that resonate with me or resonate with you or resonate with somebody else and who are just taking little bits of information from everybody and improving their lives. And ultimately that is one of my biggest life goals is to, to help lift the world and, and the people in it up and make a difference. So I really wanted Ryan to come here and talk today about his book and about what he does, because I think we can't have too much of this stuff, right? We cannot have too much of this. Um, so I just wanted to get that in there in case everyone's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> Sarah's all about joy and everything. Um, absolutely love it. And I believe that the right people will come to everybody at the right time. Um, but when we're talking about this and we're talking about, you know, living life lit or, you know, my, my tagline is making joy your baseline and like, and that this sort of stuff, um, you know, making that fun stuff and that stuff that lights us up the norm. Um, it can be scary and, and going back again, just to, to sort of like your story of leaving big law and stuff. Like when, when you put so much time and energy and you've invested so much stuff into it and, and you touched on this in the book, um, it's hard to walk away from. And, and that's like the sunk cost fallacy, isn't it? Where, you know, you put all this time, energy, money, whatever you put into it. And then you think, actually, this isn't really working or, or, you know, and I had this, you know, and I was talking to you just before we recorded this podcast where, I'd had this idea and I'd created this, this thing and then none of my clients wanted it. And I was like, but I really want you to want it. I've put so much time and energy and effort into it, my heart and soul and tears and sweat and everything else. Um, and eventually I just had to let that go because it wasn't serving me. And it was, it was, it just wasn't working. And I think a lot of us get stuck going, but it might work. But if I just try harder, if I just stick it out, if I just put my head down and I just pretend I'm not unhappy in my job, it'll yes. work out. But yeah. It's, it's just like, it would be mad to give that up. And um, that really resonated in the book because it took me back to that time when I was creating that content that I'd worked really hard on that just fell flat on its face. Um, and I had to remind myself, it's okay to walk away from these things that we've put our heart and soul in. It is. And I think you raise um, a good point there in terms of, because there's the, there's, there's the job side of it. And then there's for you, the, the creative side of it. Uh, and I think that we... We can fall into these jobs, into these careers, because it's the way the way that things should be done. It's, it's what we're told that we should do. And we work so hard. And as you say, we put in the time, the energy um, and the focus. And we then come to this crossroads and think, well, I actually don't know if I want to be here. And often that's because we never actually asked at the outset whether we wanted to go on this path. We just 
did it. And also we're always growing. We're always having different experiences and we change as people and we're allowed to change. The thing is that the way that society is set up, it doesn't allow change. It tries to hold you to the same thing that you were 10 years ago when in that 10 years you've done a whole lot more. And when you're talking about it in, in terms of the, the creative aspect for you as well, I think that, I think for both of them, they're the same. It comes down to awareness. Why are you doing the thing that you're doing? Because if you're very clear on why you're doing it and what the end goal is and what the vision is, then you are more self-aware as to whether you're going down the right path. Because just because something doesn't work now doesn't mean it won't work in a year's time. Things do mm. take time to build. But if you're doing it because you think that you should be doing it or you're trying to force it on somebody else, then it's being self-aware enough to think, well, actually, I'm not even really enjoying this. Um, and maybe that's why it's not working. And that applies across the board. Same with your job. If you really think that it's just not working for me, but I'm just going to keep pushing on anyway. Why are you pushing on? Are you pushing on? Because what you see beyond that obstacle is really what you want and it's worth the push. Or are you pushing on because you just feel that it's something that you have to do? And so it really does come down to that question of self-awareness. That what is it that you want? I mean, who are you? What is it that you want? Why do you want it? And that will then help you to answer the question as to whether you keep pushing and that's the right thing to do or whether you pivot or you just do something else completely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as you were talking about that, it just reminded me um, of a friend of mine who was writing this article because she said she would, she said she'd do this article for this magazine. It was really just so she could get visible. Right. And it wasn't really what she wanted to talk about. It wasn't really hitting the nail on the head for her passion, her drive and, and all this jazz. Um, and and she came to me and she said, I'm really, really struggling. I just need to knuckle down and finish it. I just need to finish it because I said I would. And it's like, you know, and she was not a client, but, you know, coaching does slip out from time to time. And um, I sort of asked her, you, do you know, like, what, where are you going to be when it's done? And she was like, well, you know, no further than I was before, because it's not really benefiting me or my business or anything else. And ultimately, in the end, she, she sent an email back and said, look, I'm, I'm not going to be, be able to do this because it doesn't really align with what I'm wanting to do. And that was her sort of step in way. She'd already written half of it. She'd already like agonizingly gone over it and gone over it and added a few words and edited bits. And, you know, like she wasn't in the zone. She wasn't in the zone. Um, and I can really relate to that as well. When I'm, when I'm writing things, if I'm writing something and my heart's not in it, it doesn't flow. It doesn't flow. And then I check myself, like, is this what I want to be talking about? Do I want to be changing it? Um, but she felt like she had to, she felt like she showed there was an expectation to deliver, um, and that really just resonated with me when you were talking about that, then it was that, it was that, well, I said I would, so I'm going to follow through with that. And yeah, sometimes depending on what it is, you know, if you said you're going to go and go to sports day and watch your child, you know, unless there's something major happening, you should probably go and watch your child at sports day, but you know, all things considered, there are definitely, um, there's definitely wiggle room. Yeah. And I think that again, you made a quick point is doing something because you said you would, is that a strong enough reason to make you do it? Because the thing about um, anything that we do, change in particular, but just anything, is that there would always be obstacles. There'll always be other things that we could do. There would always be other distractions. So to get you to do the thing, there has to be something that that really attracts you to doing the thing. Even if it's something you don't want to do, say, for example, taxes. I mean, I'm sure there's very few, if any, people out there who like to do their taxes. Yeah, It's something that you have to do. Saying, I've got to do my taxes because I said I would, is not going to make you do it saying I want to do my taxes because if I don't I'll get fined or I'll get called by the, by the revenue and that's going to cause bigger issues is a drive okay it's a bit of a negative pull but 
I just kind of wanted to show how it can be applied to even situations where you probably don't really want to do the thing. But sitting and writing an article, I've had that when I had a, or with my, my, my newsletter, I would, I would write and I'd say, I was going to write every single week. This was going to be my thing. And then there was one week where it just wasn't flowing. And I had to ask myself, the idea of leaving the world that I was in to kind of do my own thing is partly, yes, to sort of help people, but I want to enjoy doing that. And if it's feeling like this chore, if I really feel like I'm banging my head against a big wall, what I'm going to put out energetically is not going to be the right thing for my potential clients, the right thing that I want mm. people to take away. So maybe this is a week where I just take a break and I just step back. And once I made that decision, it was great. It was fine. It was ease. Then the next week I came back and it was fine and it flowed again. So it is about that really sort of looking at the situation, thinking, why am I doing this? Doing it because you said you would or because somebody's making you isn't necessarily the reason that's going to get you to do the thing and to do it well. But if you can dig into something else, something bigger than yourself, maybe, then that's what's going to pull you through um, or not, or tell you actually, this is just not the thing to do. It's not yeah. a line. It's going to tell you go. what you want to know, isn't it? Like either way. <laughs> yeah. And, and taxes. Oh, you know, I, I was, um, I did a year in accountancy uh, as a teenager, decided it wasn't for me. Um, but, you know, business owner have to do it. And, you know, I would go, yeah, I don't want to get fined. That was a big pull for me. I'd rather not get fined. I'd rather hand it in early, know what I owe and, and have everything done and tidy. Because for a few years, I was that person sort of mid-January scrambling around and didn't really have a system in place anyway for, for receipts and whatnot in my, in my um, sewing business. And it just became a stress. And then it became, I don't want to feel that stress. I also don't want to get fined, but I don't want to feel that stress. So I'm going to pen it in for like August. And I would literally pop it in my calendar as, you know, we're going to do our taxes today. We're going to do our, you know, gather our receipts, gather our, I'm much better now. I have, a, I have a, a, like a spreadsheet system and a whole, a whole thing. But um, yeah, it became, okay, I don't want to feel that way. I never got a fine. I was always very good at making sure I hit the deadline, but my gosh, I may have been two days before. So, you know, it was the feeling for me. It was, I don't want to feel that way. And if I do do that, that thing in August and I get it done and I send it off and everything's fine, I'm going to reward myself with something nice afterwards because I did the thing I said I was going to do and it's paid off now. So I'm going to go treat myself to a coffee and a book, or I'm going to go and, you know, go for a walk. It doesn't have to be anything grandiose, just like, oh, I've done that. Off I go, you know, for a 20 minute, you know, walk around the woods or something. But yeah, when you <laughs> said taxes, I had to laugh because that was a big one for me, really was. Yeah, it's, it, it's one that nobody likes. I, I thought it was a, a good reason. But yeah, like you said, there, there's, a, there's a double thing. There's the fact that you don't want to feel the stress. So that's a big pull. Uh, and there's the fact of the reward you're going to give yourself when you get it done as well. So it's yeah, again, it's creating these things that make you feel, okay, yes, it is worth doing this. Even if the process itself is not going to be that pleasant, the end goal is going to be worth it. And if the end goal isn't going to be worth it, then really question whether you want to be doing the thing or should be doing the thing at all. Mm, I love that. I love that. Um, and we'd love to pull us uh, back to the book. Um, we're both chatty. So <laughs> trying to stay on track here. Otherwise, you'll be listening to a two hour podcast. Um, in the book, you mentioned a, a train analogy uh, about, you know, generally you're stuck on this train, the train's heading a certain direction. And now you're not so sure if you want to you want to be on that train. You don't want to be going to that destination. And, and I love the way you sort of said, so you stand up and look around the carriage, searching for other people who are thinking the same thing as you, trying to catch somebody's eye to validate your fears. But 
you know, is everyone sitting comfortably? So you sit back down thinking, oh, I must be wrong. So you suck it up and stay on the train month after month, year after year. And you do this stand up, sit down dance. And it goes on and it's wonderful. This was just a small, a small clip. Um, but it really resonated with me. Um, and I'm not, a tra- I'm not a train goer, like I <laughs> try to avoid trains, but I obviously I got the analogy perfectly. And it is that, it is that, oh, I don't feel like I should be going this direction, but everybody else seems absolutely fine. So maybe I'm making a big deal out of nothing and I should just sit down and I've got it good. I'm successful, blah, 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 sit down and just wait to arrive. Um, I absolutely love that. So talk me through a little bit about um, sort of that sort of process for people and how, you know, how they find that courage and that confidence to move forward. Sure. Uh, well, thanks for that. Yeah, that's kind of one of the first stories that um, that sort of made it to the book once I kind of started to, to broaden it out. So I'm really glad that that, that resonated with you. Um, and yeah, it's the reason why I chose a train is because it's very easy to get on a train, particularly in the UK, you get to a station without looking at the board, you can quite easily get on the wrong train. And it's because you're not focused on what you're doing, you're not being intentional about what you're doing, you see something arrive, everyone else is getting on it. So you get on. So like being a lawyer, um, everybody else says being a lawyer is, is a great job. It's a great career. You should go ahead and do it. So you go ahead and do it and you get on the train. And before you know it, this train is, is, is going ahead. A year goes by two, three, and you're still sat on this train and you start to think, oh, I can see where this is going. Not quite sure that's for me. But if everybody else is just carrying on, if everybody else is doing the hours, if everybody else is sort of shouting about the deals that they've worked on or how hard they've worked or, or the late nights that they've had, and you're thinking, this doesn't feel right to me. You think it's just you and you think that, okay, I just have to suck it up. I have to just kind of get myself into the zone and just keep doing this thing. Not allowing yourself the grace to think, well, maybe this just isn't for me. Maybe I'm just on the wrong train. Maybe I'm just in the wrong career. Maybe I'm just in the wrong relationship, whatever it is. And then really exploring what it is that you actually want. So I think for me, the first thing is, is if you are on on a train, if you're in a situation and you're starting to sort of question whether it's where you want to be, then you have to ask yourself, well, what is it that you want? First of all, I mean, like, what do you want? If you don't want this, then what would be the better alternative? And you have to be really honest with that, not be holding yourself back, saying what you think you should say or saying what you think is realistic, but really being honest with yourself. And you have to kind of really get in touch with who you are as well. What's important to you? What are the values that really light you up? So for example, autonomy was really important to me, that control of my time, of my life, of how I manage it, which isn't really conducive to being in a big international law firm. Um, but if I'd known that earlier on, then I could have started to sort of make decisions that would kind of start to give me that autonomy, either within that situation or outside of it. And then go back to what we said before, you have to know why you want the thing that you say that you want. And once you know the answers to those three questions, once you're firmly rooted in those, it becomes easy to get up, get off the train at the next station, even if everybody else is sat down, because you're very clear on where you want to go and where this train is going is not that destination. Yeah, no, I love that. And and again, when I was reading that as well, I looked at um, how many times have I gotten on the wrong train? Do you know, like metaphorically, obviously. Um, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I went sort of back. And, and so I'm 33. I had to pause for a beat there to <laughs> remember how old I was. Um, I feel like once you hit 30, you just don't remember. At least that's my, my opinion anyway. Um, and I got back to to sort of being about five or six years old and it was that train of, 
um, you know, there was a kid in the class that seemed to get a bit of a bit of flack and would get, you know, picked on or, you know, whatever by a group of people. And you find yourself, you know, five or six years old, you're impressionable, you join in, you don't want to be left out. You know, I'm opening up to the fact that, yes, I joined in. Um, not a proud moment of my life, but it's like I felt uncomfortable doing that. You know, I felt like that was wrong, but everybody else was doing it and I didn't want to, you know, so I just sort of, and, and I would have sat down on the train. I would have continued on that direction. And I picked it up again when we were in year six. So 10, 11 years old for those who aren't familiar with the uh, UK school system. And we were applying for high school for the next step. And all my friends were going to a certain high school. So regardless of what I thought about all the ones my mom had trudged me around, I was like, that's the one I want to go to like regardless of whether that's the best thing for me and again I did it at college I had another memory of doing that at college uh same with when I was looking for my first car I was like well everybody else is driving around in these types you know so yeah I'll get one of those didn't like it (laughs) all these little things and I think we're so used to just making a choice stepping on that train as it were heading towards that destination going well we pick that choice. So like, we're just gonna have to wait till we get there now. So yeah, if you're listening to this and listening to Ryan's story and, um, or reading his book, which I recommend you get, and you're thinking, take a few minutes and just go, okay, where has this showed up in my life previously, where I have perhaps just sat back down and let the train take me to the destination I originally chose, or maybe just went along with, um, as it seems to be the theme here with my things and what you've explained as well, we just sort of went along with it. it seemed like a good idea at the time and just sort of see how, how long have I been doing this? It's a really interesting pattern. I found it really interesting to sort of see there's no no wonder we get stuck on these trains for sometimes years and years, standing up, sitting down, doing that dance when it's what we've done all our lives. So that was a really sort of pivotal uh, journaling moment for me. I journal a lot. So (laughs) that came out after I read your after I read your train analogy. So I wanted to share that. Oh, awesome. Thank you. And obviously I want to touch on confidence because that is a big theme in your book, obviously. It's one of the the triple C's. And I really liked the sort of, you sort of likened it to getting a new ATM card from the bank. Um, And because nobody lacks confidence. So I'm going to, I'm going to just read this because I'm not going to do it justice if I don't. Um, So so you say plenty of people say they don't have confidence and they do fine in life. Even outwardly successful people profess that deep down they're not confident, but nobody lacks confidence. They simply haven't activated the confidence within themselves. Uh, And then you go on to mention it's like when you get the ATM card from the bank, if you put the card in the machine, as soon as you receive it, it won't work. And then you go on to say it doesn't mean you have no money in your account. It just means you haven't set your pin and activated your card to be able to access those funds. And it's the same with confidence. And I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And you said, everyone has a balance in their confidence account, but not everyone has yet figured out their personal code to activate that confidence. And again, that was a massive, just like mind blown, like resonating moment for me, because it is true. Everybody's got that confidence somewhere inside of them. They've just not activated that code to to bring it out. And I absolutely love that. So talk to me a little bit about where that came from. Like, did was that just like one of those moments where you think, oh my God, this really, like this analogy works because it literally lit a fire in my belly for like, you know, okay, confidence is there. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the, the analogy, I think it was, so there's, there's another part in the book where I talk about being, being broke and actually putting my card in the machine and not getting anything out. And I think as I started to talk about confidence, I kind of was like, yeah, I can see how, how this sort of ties into the same thing. 
but it is this aspects of the number of people of, of, of clients, potential clients. I mean, people, people on Instagram who will sort of say to me that, yeah, but I'm just not as confident as you, or I'm just not as confident as them. And I want to say to them, and I do say to them, but you just haven't done what you need to get it yet. Confidence isn't something that we either born with or not. It's a skill. It's something that we, again, as I say, you have to activate and to activate it. You've got to, you've got to do stuff. You can't sit around and think and theorize about how do I get more confident? Yes, there's a certain thought process before that, but then you've actually got to do stuff because it's in the doing that you get better and in getting better, you get more confident and then you keep going. So it's this loop. There's um there's a concept of the confidence competence loop, which which, which is talked about by, by many people. Yeah. And it is that sort of thing. You've got to just keep doing it. So you've got to... You've, you, you've got to find that that thing for you. You've got to find your code to activate your confidence. Wherever you start, whatever action you begin with, you know, and, and, and then you from there, you can kind of keep going, get more confident, do some more, get a bit more confident, and you kind of build up levels and levels and levels. It never stops, no matter what you do, because the more that we grow, the more that we need confidence to kind of reach the next level and the level above that and the level above that. But we all are starting at different places, but we all have it within us. We've just got to find the code, activate it, and then keep topping up that account. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And that was kind of the same with me when I um, when I was looking into where I was going to go from closing my, closing my sewing business down. You know, I took a long time to figure out what I wanted to do, but I knew that I didn't feel confident in speaking in front of people, going live, you know, doing things like this, doing a podcast, right? And my first step was, okay, I'm going to go live in a group of just my friends. And it was like the tiniest thing. And I stumbled through it. I was beetroot red. I was, I'm sure I was sweating, um, but I did it. And then it was like, right. Okay. Well, I did that. And I'm okay. Do you know, like I lived through that because <laughs> literally when you're so, you're so um, perhaps fearful or scared or, or, you know, you've got anxiety about something or you just, you know, whatever emotions are coming up, it can literally feel like you're going to die. And I always like to mention after the fact I've done something, I sort of say in my head, like, well, you didn't die, did you? Do you know, like just to remind myself that like, it's okay. And then the second time I went live on my business Facebook group and I didn't have a lot of people in there, maybe 70 people. And I think only three people watched it live. Um, and then by the end of the evening, like 30 people had seen it and whether they seen it from start to finish, I have no idea. Uh, I never watched it back, but I did manage to slip out a burp and I am perfectly, perfectly fine sharing this because it's kind of like, you know, we all do it and I didn't die, do you know? And I learned a valuable lesson. Do not drink a fizzy drink when you are talking live on camera. I mean, I thought I styled it out nicely, but by the time I'd finished my live, I had three best friends going, you just burped live on camera. <laughs> And I just fired back. Yeah, I know, but I didn't die though. <laughs> and then I started a podcast and, you know, I go live and I train in groups of like 3000 people. So you go from that small thing, even when you think, oh man, I fucked up, you know, I've burped, I've done this, or I've stumbled over my words or like, I mean, once I was doing, I was doing a talk um, in front of, I think a few hundred people. And it was, it was back when the kids were off school, you know, with COVID and stuff. And I was in the bedroom because it was the only quiet space I could get. And one of the kids came running in, mommy, mommy, the dog's pooed. I said, okay. I said, everybody's heard that, haven't you? Like just one second. I said, right, mommy's gonna deal with that afterwards. I'm nearly done. She disappears. I said, <laughs> and all the comments like roaring, like absolutely roaring. I said, well, you know, keeping it real. And I just styled it out and carried on. Then the other kid came up and went, mom, there's poo on the floor. I said, I already know this. <laughs> I just had to go through it. And I said, look, these things happen. 
these things are sent to test us. I said, I might've been a little distracted for a minute, but you've had a laugh. You've got the content, you've learned something. And we sort of went away from that call. Obviously I had to go clean that up, but I didn't die. Do you know? <laughs> didn't die. Didn't die. Yeah. But, oh gosh, confidence. It, it literally, you can't buy it from a shop. You don't just wake up one day and a magical fairy from above is just giving it to you. You have to go out and do do the work. And, and it doesn't have to be big steps, does it? Lovely, small. Yeah, small steps. And I think that that's a good thing. I mean, when you sort of say that, people might think, oh, well, I don't know where mine is and I haven't done it and what am I doing wrong? But it's a good thing because, again, it puts you back in control. It, it, so it, it means that you you can actually determine how confident you become by your actions and by your beliefs. So take it in take it in that in that manner. Um, take it that you've effectively been given this power back, and now it's up to you what you then do with it and what you use that confidence for. Yeah, I love that. Um, and you've got a free confidence journal, right? That you're going to give to our listeners today. I have, yeah. So it's six journal prompts. Um, like you, I, I I like journaling. I don't journal every day um but definitely when sort of things are stuck in my head i get down on a journal and i've used these prompts a number of times to kind of get me to build my confidence um like you i remember being on instagram and and, and being too scared to post and then i was showing up live then i was doing podcasts then i'm writing a book so all of these things sort of happen but every, every time i kind of come back okay what is it i'm trying to achieve here how how do i want to go what will i feel when this is done uh, so that's how the journal came about. So yeah, it's six journal prompts. Um, it's free and you can go in there, do the work. And every time you need that boost of confidence to get to the next level, to give a speech, to have a difficult conversation, you can kind of work through this process to kind of help you clear the mind trash and get it clear on what it is you're trying to achieve and get you in that zone and to become the person that can do that. So yep, you can grab that from imryanspence.com slash goddess. Um, and yeah. I, I hope it works for you and it really helps you to kind of give you the confidence you need to get to the level you want to get to. I love that. And I will be popping the link in the show notes as well, but yeah, journaling, it doesn't need to be every day unless that's your thing. That is my thing. Um, but yeah, knowing that you can come back to the same journal prompts again and again, at each level is a massive thing. I think a lot of people go, well, I've already done that one, already answered that question, but that was six months ago, me. So this, this person today might have a different answer. Um, so I love that. And they can just obviously reuse those questions and those prompts again and again as they're sort of up leveling um which i love ryan also has a podcast the triple c project um could you give us a really succinct sort of lowdown on uh what you talk about in that podcast sure so the podcast was really tied to the book so hence the the similarity in the name but it's uh the the, the aim of the podcast is to help you gain clarity confidence and courage so you can live life lit and i talk about all aspects really of personal development my, my story and I go deep into some of the things that I, I discuss in the book and I think it's really it's really helpful for people who are at that crossroads who maybe are sort of considering well do I want to be here do I have options to do anything else what are the alternatives open to me because I know for me I didn't really believe that I could do anything different because I didn't really see other people like me who are doing things different I saw people who had kind of gone into law and were really going to go all the way. And I seen some people who were left, but who weren't necessarily doing things that I felt that I could do. So the podcast is there to kind of really flesh out those stories, flesh out those ideas, and to also leave you with some actionable tips and strategies that you can introduce straight after the episode to kind of help you deal with some of these difficult decisions. 
Awesome. And of course, the book, as we've talked about today, it's called The Triple C Method. I'm going to pop the link to the podcast and the book, uh, as well as the, the free confidence journal in the show notes so that everybody can access that super, um, super easily. But yeah, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's uh, yeah, it's been, it's always great chatting to you anyway. But uh, <laughs> we could I really, chat for hours. I, exactly. We could chat for hours. Um, and um, yeah, great, great research. I'm glad the book resonated with you. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting hearing somebody read back quotes to you. It's like, oh, wow, people are quoting. <laughs> Did you know, I say that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely moments of that. Is that me? Um, but yeah, I really, really appreciate you having me on the show. And, and, and thank you for being here. And thanks for all the support with the book. Really do yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, honestly, it was great. I loved it. I've been recommending it um but yeah go get the book it is on amazon i believe it's amazon yeah and basically anywhere you, you get your basically books from anywhere. yeah yeah and there'll be an awesome. audio book coming soon too so if you if you prefer to listen rather than read your books you'll also have that option too awesome and are you are you narrating that is that the right I word am, narrating reading yes. <laughs> narrating is the right word yes uh, i am i did i spent two two days in a lovely studio in york um reading my own words which was a, an interesting experience kind of I don't know like you, but when you start a project and, you, and then you finish it, I like to move on to the next one. So actually going back to it in that sort of depth and reading through was a, was an interesting experience, but yeah. an enjoyable one. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited to, for the audiobook to come out. Awesome. So if anyone sat here thinking, Ryan's got the most gorgeous voice, go and get that one. <laughs> Thanks again, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. And that was the wonderful Ryan Spence. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. As we mentioned, the links to Ryan's wonderful journal and his book will be in the show notes. Hope you all have a great day. Take care.